I had while I was sitting on the front row. I don't, I don't usually do this when I preach, but I just felt it so strongly. And I've been wrestling, just to be completely frank and honest with you this morning, I've been wrestling this morning with um, some sense of like performance, like um, anxiety about sharing this morning. Uh, I never feel like that when I preach. I'm usually pretty like calm. And as I was praying about it this morning, I was just wrestling with it. And here on the front row, I felt like the Lord was saying, I want to annihilate the need for performance in the room this morning. And so I just want to, I want us to pray together because I feel like this isn't just a word for me. I feel like it could be for some of you this morning, you woke up or you had a week where you felt the need to either just perform for love, uh, to self-medicate as a result of not feeling a lot of security in the presence of Jesus this morning. And I feel like the Lord has breakthrough for us purposed here today at Legacy Nashville. So do you guys wanna pray with me this morning? Because I think it's not just for us, I think it's for our city. And I, I recognize that as a leader here, I'm gonna experience things sometimes that is going on in the midst of our community. But you as believers at times feel things going on in the city because the Lord's purposed you to lead and share and be Jesus to everybody you encounter. So could you stand with me this morning? I want us to all stand together. I'm gonna, if that's you this morning, I'm not even gonna make you raise your hand because I know that you you know. I, I just... I want us to pray. I want us to pray for Nashville and I want to pray for you guys this morning because the love of Jesus reaches, like Ace have said, every dark place in you. Light has never been afraid of darkness and there's nothing inside of us that needs to perform for the love of Jesus. He loves us perfectly. He loves you exactly where you're at and there's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. So this morning, Jesus, we come before the throne boldly, knowing that you paid the highest price to know us. You paid everything to just be with us. And today we refuse, we push away the platter that says you have to perform. We push away anything that has told us that we're not good enough to be in your presence this morning. We push away and reject any spirit that says we're not a son or we're not a daughter. And we embrace by grace, the blood of Jesus that covers us and makes us perfectly holy before the throne of Jesus. And this morning as a church, we come before you, Jesus, on behalf of our city. And we say that we will be a representation of love without agenda, that we will be a representation of your pure, Love, Jesus, we take on the responsibility and we brush off any lie that says that we need perform for love this morning. And if you agree with me this morning, say amen. Amen. You can be seated. I don't I just felt it. I've been wrestling through it and I think the Lord, he wants to take us on a journey. And that's what he's always been about. He's always been about the process. If you've ever been frustrated about your process, 
I'm here this morning to tell you that Jesus is there and that he's in the midst of it. So this morning, I'm going to be reading from a passage in Luke. Uh, I find it very interesting. This story is only recorded in the gospel of Luke. I don't know why. I'll ask Luke when I, or I'll ask all the other ones too. I'm like, why didn't you record this story? Because it's so awesome. But this morning, I'm going to bring you the passage of the two men on the road to Emmaus. The title of my message is called Triumph Revealed in Relationship. How many of you have been here with us through any part of our Triumph series? Yeah, it's been our Easter series. If you've not got a t-shirt, you can get one. They're like super cheap. They're out there. But on it, it says the best thing ever, which is Jesus Victor of death. And there is something about that. He is the victor of death. And this morning, I have the honor and privilege of wrapping up our series on triumph. I know that my husband's not in here, but I feel it important to say that I'm so grateful for a church that loves and honors and respects women in leadership in the way that you guys celebrate uh, me and, and all the other women who lead in our environment. It's so important. I just love it. And I'm just so grateful to get to, to preach to you guys this morning. So thank you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Okay. So please don't hate me. I'm gonna have you stand up just like one more time. Okay. Stand on up. I have to stand the whole time, so I'm going to make you guys stand as much as possible. Just kidding. So I want us to stand. I'm going to read the initial passage over us this morning. I want us to stand in reverence and honor of the scripture this morning. You don't have to repeat after me, but it's going to be on the screen behind me. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus, we are grateful this morning for your presence, for your word. We honor it this morning and we say that you take the seat of honor here in our midst this morning. I ask that you would anoint my words today that you would just give to every heart what is needed and necessary this morning. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody can sit down. I love doing that. We're probably going to do that more. I love, like, standing in, in honor of Scripture. It's just, it's just beautiful and it's holy, so... Okay, so this story, I'm doing something for the first time today. I'm preaching from the lectionary. It's what Christians all over the world are preaching about this morning across all parts of the planet. They're preaching this passage of scripture. Um, and so today we're getting to join with them in doing that. So, so this story is really interesting. There are two men, obviously, on the road to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they're traveling, this occurs the day of the resurrection. So they're walking along, and some of you are familiar with the story, but for those of you who are not, they're discussing between them what has happened over the last three days 
These two are clearly disciples of Jesus in the story. They are grieving. They are overcome with disappointment as a result of who they thought was the savior of the world. I'm so glad we know the end of the story. They saw him die. They saw him be crucified. And they know all of the prophetic, you know, as Hebrews, they know all the stories that have been spoken about Jesus. For the last three years, they've been convinced, like, this is the one. This is the man who's come to save us. So they're, they're talking between them because they know it's the third day. And what they know is that their holy book has said that on the third day that there would be something that would happen. So they're like, they're crushed because it's the third day and they don't see Jesus. It's just so interesting because I wonder how often and maybe how many of us in here today are are on that journey this morning where we've experienced some sort of disappointment, some sort of heartbreak, some season of waiting, and we're asking, where are you, Jesus? I thought you were going to show up. I thought you were Jesus, victor of death. Where are you? Where are you? And, you know, I think that at times we can be a little bit quick to assume that he's not among us and that he's not with us. And we get like, kind of like crabby toddlers to some extent. I'm saying that I do it too. And I'm like, Jesus, where are you? I just throw the biggest fit. And I know what that's like because I have a toddler and you know no frustration like trying to reason with a frustrated toddler. And since I'm a mom, I share mom stories because that's my content. So that's like, I prep my messages in the midst of changing diapers and washing dishes. And that's what I do. And so this morning, my story comes from my mom life. So this, 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 okay. So toddlers, like I said, they're impossible to reason with when they throw a fit. So my son is two. Thank you, Jesus. He's two and he's perfect. I'm pretty sure he's perfect. And he really likes popsicles and who doesn't like a good popsicle? But there are times there's there's every day when he wants a popsicle. So this this particular day was about a week ago. It was about a week ago, and he was throwing a massive fit, and I was, like, getting to the point where I thought I was going to cry because it was getting so intense. So my solution was to offer him a popsicle because I'm a good mom, and it was, like, nine in the morning. It was, he had barely eaten breakfast, but popsicle. It was going to calm him down. So he's literally laying on the floor. I, I, I think his molars are coming in, so he's just extra. And so he's laying on the floor, and he's just like screaming. I've never done that before. It, so he's laying on the floor just screaming. And I'm literally opening the door to the refrigerator. I get a popsicle out of the freezer. All He's throwing a fit on the floor. I want a popsicle. I'm like, you want a popsicle? He's like, yeah. And I'm like getting him a popsicle. I'm like, you want a popsicle? And he's like, yes. But he literally cannot calm down enough to see that I have for him a popsicle. And I'm like, how often are we probably like that? I read the story and I was like, oh, it's just like those popsicle moments. 
you know, these two men on the road to Emmaus are, they're walking along and it, verse 15 says that Jesus himself drew near and he went with them. So I, I think that there are times that we are unable to recognize Jesus in our life situations because we are spending so much time making our disappointment more powerful than he is. And I think we spend so much time giving so much energy and effort to all the extra. Does that make sense? Like all the disappointment, all the shame, all the stuff. And Jesus is walking along the road with us. And they're literally, these two men, they're there and they're talking amongst them about Jesus. And Jesus shows up and he's like, mm-hmm. Wow, and they're so disappointed that they literally can't even see him walking with them. It says in the verse following that they were kept from seeing or recognizing Jesus. And at first I was a little bit confused because I I could assume that in some ways that could be a supernatural like shielding. But I think to some extent, aside from a supernatural shielding, I would say that the attention that they were giving to their grief and disappointment was actually shielding them from being able to see the hope that was walking alongside with them. I didn't say this in first service, but I'm, I'm going to say it now because I don't want it to sound harsh, but I, I want it to sound honest, which is we as believers who know Jesus have to challenge ourselves to spend a lot less time processing our disappointment and lean into the presence of the Holy Spirit. I am the worst of them. Trust me, I, I do it too. But I'm, I'm realizing Lyle says something that is offensive in the best way, which is complaint is the language of hell. If... If you complain about your relational status, Jesus cannot be found in your relational status. If you complain about your money, he can't be found in your money. If you complain about your house, if you complain about your kids, if you complain, if you complain, if you complain, where is he? Where is he? He's not in hell. He's Lord over hell, and he's conquered death, and he's not in that place. And I'm not saying don't process, because these, these men are clearly, and I'm, I'm not saying skip over your pain or your process. I'm just saying Jesus is in your process, so process like he's right there. You know, give him, give him the honor of being right there with you. So we're going to skip down to verse 25. And he said to them, as he's walking along with them and they're complaining. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus is the most confident king that's ever been. 
He's so confident. He's so secure. He knows he has the victory. And the reality is, if I was Jesus, and I was walking along that road, and I encountered people in the midst of some serious pain and grief, I would not do what he did. I probably, and I told the first service, don't make fun of the way I run, but this is me as Jesus. So if I was Jesus, I would be like running up to them, like both hands around the shoulders and be like, hey, it's me, Jesus. But you would do that too, because it's so painful to watch people in their pain. Like that is one of the most challenging things to do is sit with people in their grief. It's, it's, it's something that we're actually called to do as believers, really get in the trenches with people. And Jesus is the best at it. But, you know, I'd be like, I'm the savior. I can rescue you. Look at me. I'm here. No worries. Everybody's fine. You're fine. And you're fine. We're fine. That's what I would do. You know, but Jesus knows, Jesus knew that he had already conquered death. He knew that he had the victory. However, how he revealed his triumph, his victory over death to, his, to the two men on the road had way more to do, as we'll see in the rest of the story, had way more to do with their heart than it did with their disappointment itself. It's so interesting that he chose to let them stay in the midst of their grief and disappointment. I asked Lyle this, like, as soon as I opened this passage to study, because I thought that he would know the answer to it, because I'm, like, convinced he knows all things. So I'm like, sweetheart, why? Why didn't he just tell them? Why didn't he just tell them? You know, if we were in that same situation, like I said, we would we would rush to their aid and we get frustrated at times, me included, when I'm like in the middle of my process or my situation and Jesus is not seemingly coming to my rescue. And I'm like, you must not love me anymore. You don't know my process. And we've all been there, and we've all been that toddler before. And some of us, including me, are that toddler today in some areas of my life. But when Jesus starts speaking to them, he starts revealing to them prophetic truth. And he gives them an opportunity in that moment to shift their perspective. So often, we forget that our process is part of the journey that we've asked to go on, but that in the midst of our process, Jesus has provided for us truth and hope and prophetic words. Like we, we just tend to jump ship when something difficult arises or we have tension in our lives. We like jump ship forgetting that Jesus has spoken to us about who we're becoming, who he's transforming us into. And like, we're like, I'm so sad and depressed about my life season. And I'm, I, I'm like, I've been there, but I also have asked myself this question, like, who is God making me into? Is it more about, like, what's happening on the outside? Or is it more about what's happening on the inside of, of who we are and who we're becoming? So we must not abandon the prophetic truth that the Lord speaks through 
you know, other people through your community, but also just the truth of scripture that constantly tells us who we are, who we're becoming, that he's already laid out for us, which is exactly what he does with these two disciples as he's walking along the road to Emmaus. Jesus desperately wants to encounter your heart. Not just your mind, not just what's happening out here. He wants to get to the center of who you are and he pretty much will do anything to to get there including allow you, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes with this, allow you to stay in the tension of your process because it's less about getting you out of your season of disappointment and more about connecting with you on a heart level and letting you know he's right there with you on the journey along the way. Relationship with Jesus is where he truly reveals his victory, his triumph in our lives. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. What a funny thing for Jesus to do. He acted as if he was going further. He did, he did that on um, the water he's walking and the Bible says, oh, and he's gonna just walk on by. Like, Jesus, why you do that? Why you do stuff like that? I thought you wanted to be with me. Why you so, why you so sneaky, Jesus? I say that sometimes. But <laughs> he acted as if he were going further. And the next verse, it says, but they urged him strongly to stay with them. And I think there's something that's inside the resurrected King Jesus that wants to be wanted by us. And he will risk walking by just to have you say, come closer. He could have revealed himself on the road to Emmaus, but it wasn't until they drew close to the house that he really wanted to reveal himself Relationship reveals triumph. It's why it's perfectly legal, although we have Jesus here with us and among us and the Holy Spirit here with us always, to sing songs that welcome the presence of Jesus. Because it has nothing to do with his authority or what he's done, but it has everything to do with our heart posture because he will risk walking right on by just for the chance to hear you say, Come close, come inside, come inside. They urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Jesus. (laughs) Where'd you go, Jesus? They said unto each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? I love this part because this to me is like the pinnacle This moment right here is why I just love it. Right after he resurrects, the first thing he does is this. It's the pinnacle. It's the reason why he died, which is the moment at the table. The moment at the table. All 
strong prophetic pictures of intimacy in throughout the scriptures happens with Jesus around a table. There's the marriage supper of the lamb, which we get to experience in eternity. There was the breaking of the bread around the table before Jesus was captured at Passover. There was the washing of the feet all around a table in the context of a home, a house, a relationship. And in this moment, Jesus to them is revealed. I don't know if it was supernatural, something lifted from their eyes. I don't know. I don't know if it was for the first time they weren't so concerned with their process and they were more concerned with connecting with the person of Jesus in front of them. But at that moment, their eyes were opened and Jesus was revealed. And I truly believe that the table, this picture of the table, is the ultimate expression of love and intimacy. Jesus died on the cross, resurrected, and where's the first place he wants to go? The table. The table. The table. Jesus won just so that he could commune with you, so that he could be with you. Not, I, don't get me wrong, Jesus is king. He is Lord over everything. The authority in all of heaven and earth belongs to Jesus. Everything under the earth will bow its name to Jesus. So don't get me wrong with that. Like, I've, I've, he's in the right place. But, more than that, he died so that he could be with you at the table, so that he could break bread with you at the table and he could see you heart to heart, not just rescue you from all of your seasons of life. Like he already, he's conquered seasons of life. He died so that he could sit with you at the table in the midst of your season of life. He's there, he's there with you in the midst of every season. Jesus made death his footstool. Like I, I see a picture of Jesus with his feet so easily resting over death. But he did that just so that he could sit with you at a table. He does that. He just, he just does that. He just does that. That's your king. Now look at your season that felt so disappointing. That's your king. That's your king. There's no king like Jesus. Bill Johnson says one of my favorite quotes of all time that just wrecks me and ruins me, and I could meditate on it for all of eternity, which is everyone wants a king like Jesus. And it's not because of what he did. It's because why he did it. Jesus defeated death. That's really important. But why he defeated death is way more important. It's because of you. It's because of me. It's because of all of us here together. We have this opportunity. It's so holy. I love church. I love church. I love the opportunity to worship together. And Officer Matt's outside and he protects us and makes sure that we worship in, you know, freedom here. I love it. I just, it's a privilege to be here and do this with you. And that, that's it. It's the table. This is part of it. There, I love getting to sit across 
from Brooke at the table. I love, I literally, it's kind of blowing my mind right now. I have so many friends from School of Ministry from Bethel here this morning. It's actually like blowing my mind, but I love it. There's some people I didn't know I was going to get to like sit across from the table every week with Tyler. Like I didn't know that until, you know, this year. And that's so special for me. And that's what Jesus died for us to experience. It was, it was the table. It was the opportunity for love and intimacy. And there in that moment, his true dominion, his true reality, his true triumph is revealed to us in that moment. Jesus resurrected with the solution to our grief. So there's that. He knows. He has every solution in the palm of his hand. But he doesn't always reveal himself to us in the midst of our grief. It's not usually until we make space enough within us to invite him in for relationship that we actually find the solution to our disappointment, the solution to our waiting, the solution to our season. It's always him. It's always been him. And now, as a result of Jesus spread on the cross, we can actually have access to it. We can actually have access to the true, the truth, the truth. Verse 33, this is the end. I'm going to be wrapping up. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Jesus did not just triumph for us personally. Like he did, yes, he did triumph. But he triumphed and reveals himself to us to inspire us as much as it is to be with us. Because as much as he wants to be with you, he wants to be with the person down the street that doesn't know him yet. And he has this way about him. And we should have this way about us too. That we are so inspired by the person, the sacrifice, the love of Jesus that Nashville and the ends of the earth can't bear to stay the same. These two men, they went, they met with the disciples. Everybody had seen Jesus that was there gathered. And they began to tell of the breaking of bread, the story of the table. The story of true relationship where Jesus' victory is fully known in our lives. You can stand with me this morning. His triumph is always present in our lives. Please, please don't ever forget it. How he reveals his victory to us, however, has way more to do with our relationship with him than it does the momentary disappointment of the season or the momentary stretching of waiting. I felt that this morning. I felt in the spirit, like just in the room, in the atmosphere, the sense of waiting, 
the only way I can describe it is pregnancy because I'm very familiar with it. Like, <laughs> but it's that sense of something deep within us is stirring and we can't put our finger on it. And if we're not careful, we'll spend a whole lot of time trying to find out what we're waiting for instead of just leaning in to the person of Jesus who's already here and who's already available and who's here to lead us right into the season of fruitfulness, fruition, all of the above. He wants a relationship with you that requires closeness and inviting him in. Complaining about our season is not gonna get us anywhere. It's not gonna get us nearly as far as Jesus will. So this morning, if you could just close your eyes with me, I'm gonna pray over you. You can put your hand over your heart. You can just get in a place of receiving. I want to declare over our family just a shifting of perspective that you would see not the disappointment or the stretching or the waiting, that you would be mature in spirit and that you would see the person of Jesus standing right next to you, journeying alongside you. And this morning, I pray over you, over your spirits, that you would invite the person of Jesus into your heart home that you would allow him to be Jesus, victor over death, king in death, king over death, king in disappointment, king over disappointment. The king who's known disappointment. And yet he walks with you. So this morning, Jesus, we honor you. We honor you. Could you just with me, could we just lift our hands? This is our, our stance, Jesus, that no matter what our season, no matter what our heart posture has been, we choose to posture our hearts towards heaven this morning and we give you permission. We need you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Just let him in. Let him in. And if everybody with me this morning can just say amen. Yes, Jesus, let's give him a round of applause this morning for his faithfulness. He's worthy. Amazing. Could we also give Pastor Allison a big hand as well? Incredible word today. Incredible word today. I know I speak for all of us. We're going to leave here blessed. Amen. Blessed and highly favored. Then we go get some food and be blessed and highly flavored. So on your way out, uh, just want to remind you, in the seat back in front of you, we have our monthly bulletin just so that you are informed and can be a part of everything we have going on here at Legacy this month. want you to grab this, put it on your fridge. Remember, this Wednesday is team night, so we want to invite all of you guys to be out with us at team night. Plug in, find out how you can serve as a part of a team, as a part of the family here 
uh, we want to do this together. And then lastly, our Connect card, which is also in the seat back in front of you. Toss it onto the table as you're on your way out. There'll be some people there to greet you and say hello. We want to connect with you. We want to invite you into the family fully. We don't just want to know half of you. And I'm not saying half the crowd. I'm saying half of your heart, okay? Like we want to know all of you and we want to invite you to be you in the family. Sound good? Awesome. Well, find two or three people. Give them a high five and a hug. Bless them real good on your way out the door. God bless you guys. Have an amazing Sunday and awesome week. We will see you here on Wednesday at 7. And anybody who would like to receive prayer, come up to the front right now. We're going to have a ministry team ready to serve you, to pray for you, to bless you. If you would like to have some prayer, come on up to the front. We're going to pray for you right now. God bless you guys.